I mentioned at the beginning of this morning, it's so good to be back home. Um, you know, Pastor Laura and I, we went on a, a little vacation this week. I actually, I call it a staycation. We didn't really, you know, go anywhere. We just kind of did a little day trip stuff. We went to the North Shore for about two days, and we spent a day in McGregor with Pastor Laura's sister, and we spent a day with my family in Grand Rapids, and finished it up this weekend with the festivities at Jubilee Days, and so just kind of a, a nice relaxing week and time to try to catch up on some rest when the little one would let us try to get um, some rest. And so, but it's good to be back with our family. You guys are our church family and it's always, uh, you know, it, it's nice to be back home, to be back together with everyone. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I hope everyone enjoyed our missionaries last week. And so, um, look forward to hearing more about that. I know a few people shared with me about last Sunday, uh, and it sounded like it was wonderful, and so uh, I hope that everyone had a great time with that. So this morning, we're going to continue on with the series that we started um, about a month ago. We've done two weeks of this series called Taking the Next Steps, Taking the Next Steps, and we've been looking at the, the idea of tithing. The idea of tithing, the biblical principle of tithing or, or giving, offering, we've been looking at. And so I want to just do a quick recap before we move into what we're going to talk about this morning. So the first week of our series, we broke down what the biblical principle of tithing is according to what we learned from Malachi chapter 3. Right? He says that we are to bring a tenth of our fruit into the storehouse, the local storehouse, uh, and that talks about the church, the local church, and he says that, test me in this and see that if you do, that I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you so much that you won't even be able to have room to store it all up, right? And so we were talking about how generous God truly is. That was the whole idea, how generous our God truly is, right? God supplies everything to us. He gives us 100% of what we have, and he simply goes, I'm asking for one-tenth of that back. I'm asking for a tenth of that back. And I may mention a few weeks ago, you think about that, that's less than the government asked for, right? You, you get a paycheck, and the government's going, I want my cut. I want my cut, and it's more than a tenth uh, of, of what you make. And so our God is a generous God, and we illustrated that by having the two different tables that were up here on the stage. Right? I had all kinds of fruit and, and vegetables up here, and we would take the first one, and we would put it on God's table, and then we took the other nine items, and we put it on our table. And by the end, you had this table that had one of each. It was just a small amount. And on the other table, you had this heaping pile of fruit and vegetables, and that illustrates how generous our God is in, in the way that he supplies us. And the best part is, we think about that, that wasn't even taking into account the blessing that comes when we talk. It wasn't even taking into account the blessing that happens when God opens up the floodgates of heaven and pours out his blessing upon us. Right? In the second week, two weeks ago, we talked about a tool called the giving ladder. I talked about the giving ladder, which is a tool that we can use to assess our giving. To say, this is where I'm at right now. This is the next step that I would like to take in my giving journey that I have right now. And that's what this whole series is about. Taking the next step. Not expecting someone to jump from zero to 10% or from 5% to 15% in their giving. It's saying, I want to encourage us to take the next step 
in our journey, in our relationship with God, in the sense when it comes to our giving, when our finances. I laid out the five steps of the giving ladder, and there's going to be a graphic here that you can look at, right? Step number one is a potential giver, right? That's anyone who has any form of income whatsoever, no matter where it comes from, which basically, I look around this room, I think 100% of us fall into the category of being a potential giver. We have some form of income in one way or another. The second step is an emerging giver. And I talked about that's someone who, who gives on occasion. Maybe they give without rhyme or reason. They give because they have $20 in their pocket that day. Or maybe it's the end of the month and they go, you know what, I've got an extra $75. I'll give that in the offering. But it's not really a consistent thing. It's not really you know, a, a, a consistent amount. It's, it's when it's convenient. It's when it's available to do. That's an emerging giver. The next step, step number three, was a consistent giver. Right? So this is someone who gives on a consistent, irregular basis, but it's not at the level of 10%. So maybe, for example, you give 4% of your income consistently on a regular basis to the offering. That would be an example of someone who is considered a consistent giver. The fourth step, and this is a type that we most often talk about in the church, is the tithe giver. Right? That's most of the time when we talk about giving in the church about finances, we're talking about our tithe. And that's someone who gives 10% of their income to the church. And finally, the last step, step number five, is an extravagant giver. That's someone who gives above and beyond their 10%. So maybe someone who gives 12% or, or 14% of their income. And I believe we have people in our church who fall into all five of these steps. And that's okay. That's normal. That Any church you walk into you're going to have people that fit into all five of these different categories. And I'm not expecting everyone to be a tithe giver or an extravagant giver. That would be awesome. It'd be wonderful. It'd be great. Praise the Lord if we got there one day. But my desire is to see each of us take the next step in our journey when it comes to our finances and our givings. And again, I, I want to reiterate that when I talk about our offering, I'm talking about a general tithe. Talking about what goes into the general fund of the church. I'm not talking about missions offerings. I'm not talking about, you know, like a special offering like we received last week for the Sullivans. Or if we receive it for, you know, hurricane efforts or whatever. Those are special gifts or offerings that are above and beyond what God calls us to do in Scripture when he talks about our tithe. I shared an example, right, during that week where I preached on the ladder. Right? I started on step one, and as I was preaching, I kept working my way up the ladder. till finally, I was on step five of the ladder. And that was just a visual illustration to help us to, to see what that means to take the next step. And I made reference of how it's hard for us to go from giving 0% to giving 10%. Just like it would be hard for me to jump from the floor all the way up to the fourth step on the ladder, right? That would be challenging for me to do. And that's the same way when it comes to our finance. I understand it's a challenge. And that's why I want to encourage us to say, you know what? It's about taking the next step. It's about asking God what it is that he wants you to do and following through in obedience with that, right? My desire and goal is to simply see everyone continue 
to take that next step. Because I believe that as you do, as you follow the Lord's leading in your life when it comes to finances, you're going to be blessed. My desire through this is that you would be blessed. Not that us as a church would receive more money. Yeah, that's great. There's benefits of that. That's wonderful. But my desire is to see as individuals, as families, to see you blessed as a result of your faithfulness in giving of your finances as Scripture asks us to do. So maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, how does a person know how much to give? Right? Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, 10% is out of the question right now. 10% is out of the question, but I don't know what it is I should give. And that's a valid question. And this morning, I'm going to help you to understand or, or give you a process to be able to work through to figure out what it is that you feel that, you, that the Lord is asking you to give. And there's going to be an acronym that I'm going to share, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First, I want to read through a Bible story this morning about the rich young ruler. So you can find this in the Gospels. We're going to look at the, the version from the Gospel of Mark. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark, the second book of the New Testament. We're going to start in chapter 10 with verse 17. And so if you'd like, you can feel free to turn there in your Bible. Otherwise, it will be on the screen behind me as well. So as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. You shall or, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Well, the who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with the persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Right? So this is kind of a, a little bit of a, a long passage. It's about 14 verses here. But I remember the first time I heard this story as a young child, it intrigued me. 
You know, and I think there's a couple obvious reasons why we read through or we hear a story like this and we go, okay, this, this, is, this is interesting. I, I'm not sure, you know, what exactly this means. Because there's some pretty uh, big illustrations in the story that we just read. So here, right, we find the rich young ruler, he comes up to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life, right? Because for, for many people, that, that, that's what they wonder. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to heaven? What is it going to take for me to be able to inherit eternal life? And he refers to him as a good teacher, right? And Jesus responds, first of all, by going, wait, why do you call me good? There's only one who is a good teacher, and that's our Father, the Lord. And then he goes on to tell me, he says that you know what the commandments are, right? Do not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud, honor your parents. And the young man goes, yeah, 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 I've kept all those since I was a young child, right? I learned that as a little boy. I've kept those commandments. I've done all of that. And Jesus goes, you're right, you have. And with love in his heart, Jesus goes, but there's one thing that you lack. There's one thing. He says, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, and then you will receive your treasure in heaven. And then he says, come follow me. But at this, the young ruler responds by dropping his head, right? And becoming sad, it says, and he walked away. He left thinking about all the wealth that he had. Jesus is asking me to give all of this up? I, I'm sure it's what he walked away going, I have, I have all this wealth, all this, I've amassed all these riches. Jesus is asking me to give all of that up to inherit eternal life? Why is that? Jesus looks at the disciples and he asks them, he goes, so how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? Right? And then he asks the children, because... The disciples, they don't answer it. So he goes to the children. He says, children, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? And then this, this is the part where when I was a kid, it intrigued me. He goes, it'd be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right? You think about that for a moment. Right? You've got a camel, you know, like way, way up here. And you've got the tiny little eye of a needle. The illustration that Jesus is making. Just think about that. He said it would be easier for that camel to somehow, some way, fit through the eye of this needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so, of course, the disciples are going... Well, okay, we hear you say that. Then how, then who can be saved? Then who can be saved? I bet they might have been thinking at this point, like, I don't know, does that mean that, that we are good? Who can be saved? And Jesus responds in, in such an awesome way as he always does. He says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Right? And then Peter, of course, of all the disciples, who's going to respond? It has to be Peter. It's always Peter. 
He goes on to respond back to Jesus and he makes a statement. But Jesus, we left everything to follow you. We left everything. We left our home. We left our families. We left our jobs. We left everything to follow you. Everything. Basically asking Jesus, well, what's left for us? Right? What is left for us? Jesus says, don't worry about it. Because for all who have left family, friends, home, brothers, sisters, fields, whatever it is, all who have left that for the sake of the gospel will be blessed 100 times what they have. 100 times. In this day and in the days to come to eternal life. And he goes on to say, for many who were last will become first, and the first will become last. Right, so again, we, we, we look at this passage and we go, what does this have to do with the tithing? What does this have to even do with what we're talking about this morning? How does this fit into the topic? And earlier I told you, I said, I'm going to share with you a, a, an acronym to help you understand or, or to how to seek the Lord as far as what it is that he is asking you to give in this season, in this time in your life. And this acronym is simply the word PLOW. And actually, if you look inside your bulletin, there's a little insert in there. And it says PLOW, and there's a couple questions, and we'll get to that towards the end uh, of our message. But PLOW, it simply stands, the P stands for prayer, to pray. The L stands for listen. The O stands for obey. And the W stands for wow. Right? This seems simple enough, right? I pray. I listen to what God says. I obey. And then I'm going to be wowed by what it is that God does as I follow through with what it is that he's asking me to do. Right? I think, you know, we hear stories of people sharing testimony of going, you know what? I've, I've been faithful in my finances, and it seems like nothing crazy has happened. You know, I haven't received some crazy blessing. You know, I've always been taken care of and never short, but it doesn't seem like I have one of those awesome stories. You know, because you hear testimonies. I know a pastor who, when he was, he was young, he, uh, he worked as a pastor, and he had a part-time job on the side. And he took all that money he had in his part-time job, and he put it into a separate account. And one night he was going to speak at, he was going to receive an offering at some type of a conference. And before he went on stage, before the, the night started, he heard God speak to me and said, he said, Mark, you know that money you've been saving up from your side job? I want you to, to give that out tonight. I want you to give that out. And what I want you to do is I want you to take five checks out of your checkbook, sign them, put them in an envelope, and take them under five chairs around the sanctuary that you're going to be in. And when you receive the offering, I want you to say, you know what, if you're here tonight and you're not able to give an offering and you'd like to, I want to encourage you to look underneath your chair because for some of you, there's going to be a blank check. And you can write that check for whatever amount you feel you're supposed to write it for. And so the five individuals find the five checks. They write the checks at the end of the night, he finds out what it was that all the checks were wrote up for. It was the exact amount that was in his checking account. God placed it on their heart, exactly what it was they were supposed to give, 
And then the crazy thing was he went outside, and you know what happened? A tree fell on top of his van, it was total. So here's this guy who had just gave all of his extra money away because God asked him to, and he walks outside, and what happens? A tree fell on his van and totaled it. So he's going home to his wife, and he said, I, I was praying out to God, God, I, I bring people to church in this van. I, I haul my family around in this van. I, I just, I was obedient and gave away all the extra money that I had because you asked me to. You know, what, what's going on? And all of a sudden, a family from the church called him, and they said, hey, Pastor Mark, we heard about what happened with your van the other day. We heard it. We got a tree fell on it totaled. We want to bless you, so here's what we want you to do. We want you to go down to the car dealership. You pick out whatever van you want. And whatever the difference is between what you get from insurance and the cost of that vehicle, we'll cover it. So they went from having this old van that was beat up to having a van that was brand new and they didn't pay a penny for it. Right? And that's you sit there and you go, wow. Right? You're amazed at what God does as you're obedient to what it is that he's asking you to do. And I'm believing that we're going to have individuals or families in here who in six months at the end of the year are going to look back at these six months and go, did you see what God did in our life when we took the next step in faithfulness and obedience when it came to our finances? And just go, God, you're, you're amazing. It doesn't surprise us, but it amazes us every time he shows up and he does something wonderful like that. Right? So are you following what I'm saying this morning? Pray, listen, obey, and then at the end comes the wow factor of what God has done when we follow his leading in our lives. So how does the story of the rich young ruler fit into the message today? How does this fit into it? Well, here's the deal. What God asks you to give is going to be different than what he asks anyone else to give. And that's why I share the story of the rich young ruler. In this story, Jesus asked him to sell everything, right? He didn't say sell 10%, sell 15%, sell 5%. He said sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Why? You know, it doesn't tell us exactly why. But I'd venture to guess Jesus knew to that young ruler, his money, his wealth, his possession was everything to him. And that was what was going to get in between he and Jesus. The relationship was the wealth in that situation. He's going, I want you to give up everything and give it to the poor and then follow me. This morning... God probably isn't going to ask any of us in here to sell everything we have. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll surprise somebody. But I'm going to guess that God's not going to, he's not going to ask any of us to sell everything we have and give it to the poor. But I do believe over the next few weeks, as you pray, as you seek God, as you hear from him, he's going to share with you what it is that he's asking you to do at this time. So here's the deal. You don't get to turn to your neighbor and say, what is God asking you to do? Because whatever he's asking them to do is not what he's asking you to do. Unless that person sitting next to you is your spouse. Right? Then, yes. You know? Uh, and so, but simply saying, you know what, God, I understand that there's something that you 
are going to ask each of us as families, as individuals to do when it comes to our finances. So we're all at a different place in our journey with the Lord, right? Each of us are at a different place in our journey. We're all in different seasons of life. And so what God asks each of us to do is unique to us, to that season, to where we are in our journey with Him at this time. So what I'm going to say next, I want to just preface it. This might seem a little blunt, and to be honest, it might offend a few people. And you know what? That's okay this morning. That's okay. But I believe it's important to share. Here's what I want to say. If you're currently doing something that you know you could do without God, then I want to challenge your thinking to say, you're not doing what God is asking you to do. If you're currently doing what you know you can do without God's help, I want to challenge you to go, I think what you're doing is not all that God is asking you to do. Because God doesn't ask us to do what's comfortable. God doesn't ask us to necessarily do what we feel like we know we can do. God is asking us to place our faith in Him, to say, you know what, I'm going to take that step, even though I, I don't know maybe where it's going to come from, but God, I'm trusting and believing that as I'm obedient to you, you're going to provide that. You're going to make a way for that. You're going to supply what it is that you're desiring to me. When we obey God's leading in our life, it's the key that unlocks the wow factor. When we obey God's leading in our life, it unlocks the wow factor that God is wanting to do in our lives. So what I, this is my desire for us now as a church, as families, as individuals. This morning, throughout the next couple weeks, I want you to begin to plow the field. Why do I say plow the field? Well, Scripture talks about us plowing the ground, preparing the ground, clearing out the rocks, and saying, preparing it so that God can come and do a mighty work in our lives. So plowing the ground, plowing the field, and seeking God to see what it is that He wants you to do for the next six months. Right? We have about six months left of 2018. What is it, God, that you want me to do for the rest of the year when it comes to my finances? So if you're married, you've got two options. You can come together and pray. Pray with each other. Listen for God to speak to you together. Have conversations about it. And, and, and go forward from there. The other option you can have, because I know uh, for some people, it's easier to, to go apart and pray separately. To pray, to hear from the Lord, and then come back together and say, Hey, what did you hear from the Lord? This is what I heard from the Lord. Right? And I know, I've heard testimony after testimony of individuals who have done that, who've gone off, prayed separately from their spouse, and they come back together. Well, what was it that God spoke to you? Well, God told me that we're to give 14% this year. That's the same number God gave me. Right? It, 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 it confirms what it is that, that God is speaking to you. Right? If you're, if you're single or an individual, it's easy. Simply pray, listen, obey, and you'll see the law factor come out. So again, I want to share that this is, is about taking the next step. Right? It's about taking the next step in your journey with the Lord when it comes to your finances. So maybe you're an emerging giver, right? You're someone who, who has gives on occasion, or you give to different things, and God is going, I'm going to ask you to become a consistent giver. I'm going to ask you to give at 
of your income for the rest of the year. Or maybe you're currently giving 6% consistently and God's going, I want you to give 8% for the rest of the year. Or maybe God has shown you, say, you know what, it's time to become a tithe giver and to give the full 10% that I'm asking to in Scripture. And I used this quote a few weeks ago as well, but I want to mention it again. Doing a minimum, which is tithing according to what Scripture teaches us, is not being generous, it's being faithful. Doing the minimum, giving our tithe, is not being generous, it's being faithful. It's being faithful to what God is asking us to do. Generosity starts when we go above and beyond 10%. Maybe you faithfully have given your tithe for years, and that's awesome, that's wonderful, and God is going, it's time for you to take another step and become an extravagant giver. It's time to go to 12% or 14%. Right? And so here's the deal. To me, the amount is not what's important. The amount is not what's important. It's the process. Because the amount that God gives you is different than he gives somebody else. And we're to follow through in obedience, but it's the process. The amount is arbitrary, but the process, when we hear from the Lord and follow through, is the same for each and every one of us. To pray, to listen, to obey. Say, God, what is it that you have for us this morning? So in your bulletins, as I mentioned, there's, there's a little piece of paper in there and it says plow on it. And again, it explains. Pray, listen, obey. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. And then it has two questions on there. There's two questions on there. And the first one simply says, what level are you currently giving at? So if you look at the giving ladder, what level are you currently giving at? Are you potential giver? Or are you an emerging giver, consistent giver, tithe giver, extravagant giver. And this is where it's just a self-reflection. Just self-reflection going, you know what? If I'm honest, this is where I've been at. This is where we're at right now. And the second question, this is going to come as a result of plowing. What is it that God is asking me to do, or asking us to do as a family for the rest of 2018? So as you seek the Lord and He shares it with you, I want to encourage you to write that down, what it is it's giving you. There's nothing spiritual about writing it down, but there is something that when we write things down, we tend to remember them. We tend to follow through with things that we write down more than if we just mentally think about it. And here's the thing. I want to say, if you're a consistent giver, so say, right now I'm currently a consistent giver at 3%. And God is asking me to jump up to 6%. I want you to write your percentage on there so that you remember what it is that God is asking you to do. And what we're going to do over the next couple weeks is I'm going to have one of our um, little black baskets up here that we use for our offering. I'm going to ask that when you fill it out to drop this in there. I don't want you to put your name on it. It's anonymous. I don't want a name on it, but it's simply an act of you coming forward and giving it to the Lord, saying, God... This is what you've spoken to me. This is what I believe you're asking me to do for the rest of the year. And now I'm laying it down at the altar. I'm bringing it to you. I'm giving it to you. And, and I'm committing to doing everything I can to follow through over the next six months to keep up with what it is you're asking me to do. Right? This is something that's between you and the Lord. 
This isn't something that, that I'm going to go, hey, I saw you drop that card in there and you said you were going to give 9%. I know your income, you're only giving 7%. Where's the other two, right? You know, it's not anything like that, but it's just between you and the Lord of making that commitment of saying, God, I'm going to be faithful in doing what it is that you've asked us to do, laying it down at the altar as a sign of, of surrendering it, of giving it to the Lord. So I'm excited to see what God does over the next six months. I'm excited to see as we plow, as we respond, as we're obedient to what the Lord is asking us to do as families, as individuals. I'm excited to see what God is going to do. As we continue to each uh, individually follow through with obedience, take that next step in our journey with the Lord, I think we're going we're to have testimonies of what God is doing. We're going to see God move in mighty, miraculous ways throughout our families and throughout this church and with individuals in their lives. I believe we're going to see tremendous things happen. Why? Because our God is a generous God. Because he says that if you do this, test me in this, and see that I won't bless you. God desires to pour his blessing out on his children. God, does, God doesn't want to hold on to the blessings. God wants to be able to give them to his children. He wants to be able to pour them out upon us. And so this morning, we're going to close out our time in prayer. Jesse, if you could just come strum on your guitar. As we do every week, we're going to close out with a time of prayer. Myself and a few of our leaders will be up here. And so if you'd like prayer for anything, uh, feel free to come up. But again, I want to encourage you, just starting this week, I want you to go home and begin to plow. Begin to pray and ask the Lord over the next six months what it is that he wants you to do. What that next step is on your faith journey with him when it comes to your finances. And then when he speaks to you to be obedient and follow through. And our obedience will unlock the wild path will unlock the amazement of what God is going to do in their lives. And as I said, I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to bring them back and we're going to have a basket up here for you to lay down and to just surrender them and give them to the Lord. It's just kind of a commitment of saying, God, I've heard from you and now I'm going to follow through with faithfulness and obedience to take that next step of faith to see what can happen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time that we have been gathered together here in your house. God, I just pray that as your word has gone forward this morning, God, that it would find root in our hearts. God, that we would think on it, ponder on it, and digest it, God, and continue to, to look to your word. God, as your word is the source of life. Father, we thank you. God, I just pray that as, as we go out today and throughout the rest of our day today and the week and the weeks to come, God, as we just come before you as families, as individuals, God, and we just begin to, to seek you and say, Lord, what is it that you desire for, for myself or, or our family to do for the rest of the year? What is it, God, that you're asking us to do? What is that next step of faithfulness when it comes to our finances that you are asking us to do? Father, I pray that as, as, as we plow the ground, God, as we pray and we listen, you give us the faith and the boldness to be obedient and to follow through with what it is you're asking us to do, even if it seems 
difficult or even impossible. God, as we looked at your word this morning, it says that with man it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And so God, we know that if you speak it to us this morning, if you speak to families and individuals about what it is you desire for them to give, that you will make a way, Father, for them to be able to do so as they will be. So Father, we just, I, I think forward, God, three months and six months down the road, about the testimonies, about the stories that people are going to be able to share about what you have done in their lives as they've been obedient. God, the wow factor, the amazement, the testimony of saying, Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. God, we just praise you and we give you honor and we give you glory. We just ask that now as we go out, Father, you would speak through us. Help us to be a light, Father. Help us to be an influence to those around us. And we will point them towards you and the cross and the gospel. God, that they may come to know you as a result of our interaction with them. How little or big it may seem. God, we just give you everything we have. We lay ourselves down to your feet. That your will will be accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.